Welcome to The Recovering Perfectionist, where you'll learn all the hacks you need to get started and finished on your business or project. You'll connect with successful entrepreneurs who are in perfectionist rehab, unapologetically experimenting and balancing life, business, family, and me time. I'm your host and Chief Recovering Perfectionist, Claire Barton. Hey everyone, it's Claire and on the show today I have got the amazing Trish Everett um, and you'll hear about it in the episode but Trish and I have done a little bit of work with each other on and off for the last year or so um, and my husband and I actually did an amazing online communication course with her which is where I really sort of delved into um, how amazing she is and, and the sort of things that she talks about um, and there's lots of things that have really stuck with me um, which you'll hear about in the episode about personal responsibility and what that really means um, and really communicating with each other in a relationship and also just in life in general and in our business or in my business um, on a needs level rather than uh, a behavioral or, you know, whinging and nagging and that sort of thing. So it's a really interesting space to get into. Um, it's a beautiful episode. It actually kind of almost turned into um, a little bit of a reverse coaching session, which was really nice. So when I was asking Trish some questions, she um, kind of turned it around and asked me to give some examples as I suppose she would with a real life client. So it was kind of nice to um, be on the receiving end of that <laughs> as well. Um, and we talked about quite a lot of things. So I really hope you enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think um, and follow Trish. Do um, get in touch with her. She's just amazing. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll talk to you really soon. Hi, it's Claire here from The Recovering Perfectionist and I'm here with the amazing Trish Everett who is a communication consultant and mindset coach amongst 4,000 other things. So great to have you here. So um, for everyone listening, um, Trish and I have had little bits and pieces to do with each other, I guess, for the last year and a half or so, something like that. Um, and my your biggest claim to fame for me in my mind is the Sweet Talk program that you ran um, with a heap of couples about a year ago, I reckon, about um, early 2016. And um, my husband and I went through it along with a couple of other couples and it was absolutely amazing. We were kind of, we were kind of having some communication stuff going on and um, we thought we needed some, some sort of help and then your course came along and we did it, which we're going to get, um, we're going to talk about some of that a bit more in a minute. Um, but I guess before I keep rambling on about how much I love you, maybe you can tell us a bit about who you are and what you do and what's your, what's your thing at the moment? What, what are you working on and, and where are you at with your biz? Beautiful. Oh, thank you. And yeah, the Sweet Talk program is something that's really close to my heart, that ability for us to be able to communicate with one another in a way that's really connected is, is very much part of what I get really passionate about. And yeah, so my business is very much around supporting people in their mindset and, you know, that inner journey to being able to be the success or be, and whatever their version of success is, mm. not necessarily having success in this kind of, I don't know, brought in by somebody else's perspective, but the success in all areas of life, be it life, business, relationship, is really true to them, like what their dreams are and their passions are, mm. and supporting that inner journey that goes along behind that 
So that's one part that I get very excited about. And the next part is then how do you communicate that? How do you connect with other people from that empowered place? So, yeah, I guess I get very excited about that, that sort of little bit that happens between being connected but also having the freedom to be yourself. So I guess that's the question that I'm always searching for is, how do I completely be myself and still be connected and how do I assist other people to be the same? Which is a really, really big topic, especially when um, we're talking about online businesses and how you show up online and that kind of fine line between being authentic and being, um, you know, uh, in, in it for yourself and for your own therapy and that sort of thing. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I've been having a few, more, a few other conversations along those sort of lines recently and it's really interesting um, get everyone's perspective on that as well so um before we go any further i just want to bring you back to um when you were saying about success for um whatever that means to you i think that's a really important thing and i think um we'll talk about that a lot <clears throat> i talk about that a lot and i know you do as well and um can you just explain a bit more about like how how do you if you're working with someone how do you kind of coach that through with them and how do you kind of help them um to be okay with whatever their version of success is and not have to worry about everyone else's version of success for them. Yeah, I guess it, it's an interesting process because what we've been thinking about, it can kind of get a bit disconnected from what our heart is. And so I, I think that the process of coaching down is to take down through the layers of what's happening in the mind, what's the story that goes along with success. Until you get to a place where you can, it's almost like the air changes when you hit that place mm. where the the heart then goes, oh yeah, this is this is it, yeah, this is it. And, you know, you get the tingles and and that place. And another really powerful practice in it is visioning, and visioning engages the imagination and the creativity, mm. and it trying to capture the first thoughts that come in because that's where the real gold is mm. but in those sort of in little oh first thought oh and first picture first thing you imagine is usually a lot closer to what that heart space is so mm. yeah two approaches one coming up from the vision which is trying to you know take a butterfly net and catch the heart gold <laughs> and the other one is to sort of disassemble from the brain level down mm. and depending on from the person those two methods work in different ways sure um very analytical people sometimes have problems well not problems but challenges in using that beautiful heart space butterfly mm. net to catch their vision because mm -hmm. they can't disengage their head so it's a mm. matter of untangling that but for other people their their creativity is just wanting to sing so coming from the vision end can be really powerful mm. for that as well and you know I think it's a checks and measures thing of going well once you come up with what success is to go well what does that mean what does that mean to try and really dissemble down to where it's coming from mm. so for example I could say to you I want to have a six-figure business now that really means nothing <laughs> yeah you know in terms of yeah, sure, that would be nice. But what does that mean? What does that give me? And when I go back down and look at what it gives me, I start to get to the core of 
what it is that I really, really want. Mm. And then I can build that up again and go, oh, well, what that actually means is right. I want a five-figure business working 20 hours a week. Sure. Yeah. So it then, it, yeah, you can, it's rather than, oh, look, you know, there's all this hype around that and I want that. Yeah coming back to the core and then building it back out again. I love it. I love it. I think that's such an important message. And um, I had a similar kind of moment, just um, exactly what you were talking about, that I had the moment at the end of last year going, oh, I haven't made as much money as I wanted and I really want to do this and I really want to do that. And what that means is I'm going to have to put the kids in daycare for an extra two days and I'm going to be able to do this. And And then I thought, hang on a minute. I started my business because I wanted to spend more time with my kids, not less, and I wanted to be there and I wanted to be available and I wanted to be able to, um, you know, have some time to spend with my friends during the week or go for coffee or go and meet my husband for lunch or something. I, like, I, I didn't start this so that I could actually do more, more, but I kind of got caught up in that hype of going, well, if I want to have that income, which didn't, like, of course, of course it would be nice to have more income, but it's what do I want more income for? I want it for freedom and flexibility. So if I'm actually going to strive for more income by taking away freedom and flexibility, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it was kind of, um, yeah, kind of a watershed moment, I think, to just go, oh, actually, I think I'm focusing on the wrong things and therefore I'm not getting what I want. And then when I sort of broke it down into, I actually had a session with someone and she was like, what do you want to be doing spending your, what do you want to be spending most of your time doing? What, where do you want your effort to go? And I was like, I want to do more writing and blogging. I want to do the podcast. I want to do speaking and things that I hadn't really given much time to because I was always after the the other kind of money-making things, which was just counterproductive because I wasn't spending time doing things that lit me up and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So it's really, I think that checks and measures and having even having someone to ask the question for you is a really powerful kind of um, starting point <laughs> to make sure that you're you're striving for your own success and not getting derailed onto what, you know, someone else's measure of success is. So thank you for bringing that up. That's awesome. Oh, beautiful. And, yeah, I love that story of how you, you know, went through that process and realigned yeah. the true meaning of success for you. Yeah, exactly. Those other people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and I'm sure it will change a thousand times again in the future, but yeah, that's, that's what felt right for me at the moment. And that's what I'm trying to sort of stick to as well. So Trish, the main um, thing that I wanted to chat with you about today is something that I'm literally, I reckon two or three times every single week I talk about last year, I did this course called Sweet Talk with Trish Everett and it was amazing. And the best thing I got out of it was, uh, and the best thing I got out of it was the whole um, idea of personal responsibility. So when, when I guess we signed up to do Sweet Talk, we were kind of like, look, we're just not communicating very well. We, you know, we kind of need to get on the same page about a few things. And I think what, what, we were, what I was expecting was kind of a bit of a go over of all the things that I already knew, you know, about body language and communication and about active listening and all that sort of stuff that we've been taught since, you know, the beginning of time sort of thing, hopefully. Um, but what we got in Sweet Talk was that in like the first week or two and then so much more for the rest of the course. And that's where like all the gold really lay about, um, you know, the personal responsibility, the different kind of personality types in relationships and how they may or may not kind of clash or work really well together and understanding where each, of our, where each other sort of sat with that. But the really, really powerful thing and the thing like I keep saying is that was really, really 
um, pivotal for me was the stuff about personal responsibility. So I'm going to kind of explain what I got out of it in a nutshell. I'm sure I'll be completely way more inarticulate <laughs> about it. Um, and I'll, you know, give, um, ask you to sort of take us through it a bit more as well. But when I sort of thought about personal responsibility, I thought it was just kind of like looking after yourself. That's where I kind of thought it, you know, that was roughly what it was. But what you showed us was so much more that personal responsibility was kind of, there's kind of two, two parts of it. And one part of it is um, staying true to yourself and owning your own shit. So if you've got a, if you're in a bad mood or if you are being, um, you, you know, you're not, you are or you are, aren't doing something in your relationship is kind of taking responsibility for that, owning it um, and, uh, you know, either apologising or not apo apologising, that sort of thing. So kind of saying like, this is my truth and this is, I've decided to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it in a considerate way and I'm going to, you know, pick my timing and that sort of thing, but I'm going to be true to myself. But the other side of it, which I thought was really, 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 really powerful was not owning everyone else's shit. And I think in a relationship, that's really important, but it's also so important in business and in your friendships and driving, like going down the street and you get so frustrated with other people doing stupid things on the road. It's kind of that, um, you know, you can't, I remember um, something you were saying about make. We have this thing in our language where we say, you make me really angry or you've made me really frustrated or you've made me feel X, Y, Z, which is actually kind of impossible because I'm choosing to feel X, Y, and Z because of a behavior that you did, but I'm doing that, not you. That was your behavior, not mine. Um, and that was really pivotal to me because it's, it's changed a lot for me in my relationship and also in my business um, in terms of that, like I am still very truthful and I kind of check in with myself about, am I just nagging because it's a habit and I don't actually give a shit about what I'm, whatever I'm talking about? Or do I actually give a shit and I really do want to say something about it, but I need to you know, say it in a productive way or... Um, or that sort of thing. But then it's also the next part of it to go, you've got the shits? Okay, cool. That's not my problem. Like I've been truthful. I've said this in a considerate way. I'm being true to myself and I have been um, hurt by this and it kind of went down to the needs level, which is the next thing we can maybe talk about. Um, and, yeah, having that kind of um, empathy to go, like I see that you're feeling angry or I see that you're feeling sad or you know, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way, but I'm not sorry. Like I haven't made you feel like that. I've done my thing and now it's up to you with what you do with your thing. So a completely inarticulate way of describing it, but I just love the whole concept. So I'll hand over to you to maybe articulate all of that in, in um, a, a better way than what I just have. Well, no, I thought you articulated that really well. Like, you know, top of the class. Oh, thanks. But, um, <laughs> and you know it is with all of these things around communication it's you know you can have the aha uh -huh at a um like hearing the information level but it's when you actually put it into practice in your life which is what you have been doing that that's when the real truth of it kind of sinks in <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense yeah so you know your description of that is you know, partly based on what we went through in Fleet Talk, but it's also based upon your experience thereafter mm. of putting that into practice in your life. So mm. I, you know, I really um, honour you for that, to be able to 
you know, normally just take that in and go, gee, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> but to actually put it into practice in your life and that's where the, oh, my God, I've got to tell people about this every week. Right. Because it's the difference that it's been made in your life. Mm. So just wanted to um, sort of start with oh, that. Thank you. <laughs> but, yeah, because all of these things, they're practices. It's not about learning a thing. It's about having a new skill that you put into practice in your right. life. They're all really, really doable things that you can make changes. But like the thing for me with self-responsibility, and a lot of people have a responsibility kind of response, like it's always a, oh, yeah, I want to be responsible, bring it on. Mm. is isn't always. There's often <laughs> quite a reaction that goes with the word responsible. And this idea of, you know, like you said, owning your own shit, that's really great when we say it to ourselves, but you can't really say that to somebody else, like, own your own shit, like it doesn't always land. So we have resistance. <laughs> yes. We totally have resistance to saying, um, I'm going to be responsible. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this out because I feel like it's banging on the microphone. Moment to pause while she takes out her earring. <laughs> pause for a fair. Pause. <laughs> so, um, and now pause for effect again while I retrace my train of thought. <laughs> when only shit doesn't quite land on people and um, responsibility is a bit scary. Yeah, so firstly with self-responsibility, I love to reframe that as having access to your own personal power. Because when you're not being responsible, so you, you articulated it really beautifully, in fact, that there are two sides to it. There's the part of it where being self-responsible is being true to ourselves and owning our own stuff or shit, you know, owning that. That's one side of it. And in terms of our personal power, when we're not doing that, if we're putting our stuff on somebody else or we're playing the blame game mm. or we're not being true to ourselves, we're not standing in our power. We're not being the powerful person who we are. Mm. And when I say personal power, I'm talking about that, you know, that je ne sais quoi, that confidence, that ability to really stand up and be who we are. Mm. And when we're not being self-responsible, we're giving that away. We start blaming somebody else how we are and not owning our own shit we're not we're not we're not in control of it so therefore it's outside of our power and as such we're giving our power away the frame of being you know being powerful by being mm. responsible because yeah. it's like so much more exciting than yeah. <laughs> i'm self-responsible i'm powerful yeah you know? right like it's yeah. really different it's a shift totally different and then yeah. On the other side of it, when we start um, feeling responsible for other people, you know, we are the cause of their misery, for example, we're actually overstepping our responsibility. And so we're feeling like what we do becomes, we become responsible for others. And in doing that, we're actually taking away their power. We're taking away their ability to be able to stand up and own their own stuff. So just as when we blame somebody else, we're giving our power away. When we take responsibility for somebody else's pain, 
we're taking away the control that they have over mm. themselves. Yeah, yeah. So especially in a relationship, whether it be a romantic partnership or whether it be in business or with clients or with, um, you know, whoever you are in communication with, the most, the most creative, productive, amazing, nurturing, respectful space is where both people are able to feel powerful. Mm. So being self-responsible is the vehicle for you both to be able to feel powerful. And when two people feel powerful, oh, my goodness, it's like, yeah. you know, what, what can happen? Yeah. Whereas if both people aren't feeling powerful and somebody is overstating the other or someone's putting their stuff on somebody else, like you're putting a leash around each other. And like you're saying, like it's not it's not the way that we were taught how to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's it. Like you, you pointed out that we've got mechanisms in our language, like <laughs> you're making me feel really nervous here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you're looking at, you know, like, and all of a sudden I have just put my feeling nervous onto you yeah. by saying that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty nervous now. I'm owning it. It's mine. My nervousness is yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's not, um, and I'm much more powerful. If I own that, mm. I have complete control over it. Mm. If you're making me nervous, I don't. You have control over it. Right. So mm. when I'm expecting you to create, change some behavior mm -hmm. so I don't feel nervous anymore, whereas if I feel nervous, but it's mine and I own it, well, then I have complete control over being able to change that. Mm. So, so um, something that, um, that you talked about in Sweet Talk and something that you've just reminded me of is that um, often people, and I think often women, have this innate desire to fix and to keep things harmonious and that sort of thing, which we talked about in Sweet Talk. Um, and so in that sort of a situation, say, like, I... If someone said, you're making me feel nervous or even I'm feeling nervous, I'd be like, oh, okay, what, what can I do? What can I do to help? Like, is that, is that a thing? Is that just our trying to keep things harmonious and not create ripples and that sort of thing? And, and kind of, you know, for people who, especially, I suppose, people who identify or think that they've got these perfectionist sort of traits and they're fixes and they're kind of yes people and they're just trying to help and fix everyone else what what's what happens what do you do <laughs> what's the better option well i think the first thing is is to check in with why you want to help like so so in this scenario let's say oh I, you're making me feel nervous if i say that and you go into oh i've got to fix it mm. what's your intention behind it so that's the first place mm. to check it out I guess my feeling nervous. I would feel like, oh no, I don't want her to think that I'm a certain way, so I better fix it. Like I'm obviously doing something that's making her feel nervous, so I better try and fix that so she doesn't think that I'm that thing. Would probably be, I think, at the core of that thought process for me in that situation. Yeah, so again, that's like a stepping over responsibility <laughs> that, comes from, that comes from a space of, you know, like wanting to care, wanting everyone to be okay, mm -hmm. wanting to support people. Um, 
So that, you know, it is an overstepping. And first to realise that and the flip side of that is to own what's going on for you that maybe you don't feel comfortable or that you're feeling judged by that or that somebody might think that you've done the wrong thing right. and that's yeah. uncomfortable. Mm. So to wind it back to the place where you're not jumping into their feelings to bring it back where you're connecting with your own. Mm. Yeah. And and to really quickly, like in your brain, to do it, and you can say this out loud, you can acknowledge their feeling. Like you can acknowledge it without having to take it on. Oh, okay, you're feeling nervous. Like even just that statement mm. allows you to recognize it, to acknowledge it. And at the same time, you don't have to take it on. Right. Yeah. And, you know, um, and you can put an offer in place. Is there something I can do to make that easier for you? Sure. Not to take it away, so, but to support you through whatever you need to do yeah. to get yourself. Which is very different to automatically going into fix it fix mode. It. Yeah, right. The help with yeah. Permission. yeah. So there can be for the helpers, for people that like to help, seeking permission to help is always a really great first step. <laughs> yeah. First checking in with the intention, the reason behind wanting to help. So, okay, let's do a little scenario. Oh, my gosh, I'm feeling so nervous. What can I do to help you feel less nervous? No. What can I do to make this easier for you? Well, either would work, like what, you know. First step might be to just check in, is there something I can do? Like just even to see whether or not you want to step into that space. Yeah. Um, but what can I do? So go with your first one because that was the first thing that came through and it was a nice open-ended question. Well done. <laughs> See, I did this communication thing called sweet talk. <laughs> So, say your question again. Oh, so, what, I'm what, so can I do? what can I do to help you? Oh, I actually think I've got to just go with my breathing a little bit and connect down. I think, yeah, that that's going on for me. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, would be it gives somebody a chance to kind of respond in that I'm gonna look after myself. Oh, yeah, right. Could be, oh, could you? Could you just um, tell me how much you love me for a moment just so, you know, I know that I'm okay? Yeah. Like, and I might just call out for reassurance, you know, sure. like, yeah. It, yeah, you're giving them an opportunity to let, you know, and, you know, people aren't always great. That's the flip side of it. And that's sort of where we went to next in the course. Mm. You know, we all have different abilities to be able to talk about what it is that we want and what we need. And sometimes being, what can I do to help? If you premise that with, is there something I can do? It just means that if someone's particularly tender and they feel like, no, I don't want you to fix it because that could be the other way. I don't want you to fix me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> like if people can go into that really reactionary space. Yeah. So testing the waters first can be a beautiful next step mm. for into the all right I've got my hammer I've got my nails what can I do to fix this stuff <laughs> yeah beautiful and exactly what you were just saying the next thing that I thought was you know the crux of the whole communication thing and kind of the 
climax of the course was about needs and that you know we talked about some of those annoying things in a relationship and if I talk about my like my with my husband I was getting annoyed at that time because he kept leaving a cereal bowl on the side of the sink instead of washing it or putting it in the dishwasher in the morning and I was like I, why can't he just put it in the dishwasher why can't he just wash his cereal bowl he's not a child why can't he do it himself and you then sort of we sort of drilled down and was like so you know, let's go through your needs. And, you know, we did that whole exercise. And one of my big, probably my biggest need is that equity and that feeling like where both of our time is worth the same. Both of our energy is worth the same. We both put in 50-50 overall. It doesn't have to be like all, you know, 50-50 on every single thing in our relationship, but overall. And so what that, was, what that um, subconsciously meant to me was that he thought my time wasn't worth as much as his, so I had time to wash his cereal bowl and he didn't. And stupid things like that had nothing to do with the cereal bowl. It was just that I felt like, why should I have to do it out of my time when you can't do it out of your time? So that was a really kind of interesting thing to unwind and to understand better my needs so that I could then articulate them and not nag about the stupid things like the cereal bowl. And I could actually say, hey, this is really important to me and this is why and this is how sometimes I feel it shows up for me and this is how sometimes I feel like my needs aren't being met by me or by you or um, as a couple. Um, and since then, I think it's probably been the same in, in my business where there's been some things that I've gone, hey, no, that's not okay. I'm not okay with being treated like this. Like, you know, you can't email me at 11 o'clock at night and ask for this thing that needs to be done yesterday. Like, that's not okay with me. But I used to be okay, okay, you have to like me and you have to keep paying me and you have to, yep, 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 yep. And since I've sort of started to get a bit more, I mean, like that sort of thing doesn't really happen, but, you know, that sort of stuff um, to actually say, no, 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 no. And now it's like this, oh, people get me. I get me. I know where my boundaries are and everyone else knows where my boundaries are. And we're cool with that. There's never an issue. Do you know what I mean? So it's just, it's such a knock-on effect to understand what your needs are and what's sort of at the core of your values and, and that that's dynamic as well. That may change, you know, over the course of time and that sort of thing. Um, but it's, it's a really, really important exercise. And I would say if there's a thing that people can do to really drill down and understand what their needs are and what their partner's needs are or um, in a business sense what their client's needs are and work out where's the happy medium and where does that sort of fit in and do they fit in um, was a really, really powerful thing to understand which I've never really gone into before I've done you know values workshops as a team and that sort of thing but never really you know sat down like I sort of you know someone says what are your values I'll be able to rattle them off just off the top of my head but I've never kind of drilled down into what that actually means for me and why and where it came from and where it's been lacking in the past where it's lacking now and you know all of that sort of thing so um, yeah, so, so tell me, like, from, from your perspective, where does, you've just sort of mentioned about the needs and how they kind of fit in. I'll hand over to you to kind of carry on that train of thought. <laughs> I just get ranting awesome. about this stuff, as you can so, see. So, uh, there are two really, like, well, probably three really amazing parts of what you just went through on your own personal story with that and um, the bringing in of different parts of it. And I think... The first part that you you mentioned was that really being able to connect to your own self and your own truth and burrow down to what is actually really going on mm. because otherwise you can spend your whole life 
bickering about the cereal bowl, the little bits of toast that are left on the side of the chopping board, using the chopping board for marmalade when it should be, you know, like, or on a business level, you can be bringing a whole lot of angst into your relationships with your clients when they, they will have absolutely no idea what your what your playbook is they don't know they don't have any idea of the inner workings so to you that cereal bowl represents this um this lacking in mutuality and equality and not feeling respected for your time to your partner it's like it's a cereal bowl right. you know like there's like there's a there's a disconnect between what you're talking about and what the actual situation is and you understand what it is that's actually really going on for you. Mm. And this is a really powerful process. And you mentioned empathy and I look at this as a self-empathy exercise. Like with, you know, with empathy, we learn how to understand what's going on for another person, how to, you know, the idea of empathy is to walk in someone else's shoes. Self-empathy is about actually walking in our own shoes and understanding what's happening for us. Mm. And only from that place of being, understanding what's happening for us can we truly communicate clearly. If we don't actually know what's going on, how is our partner going to be able to figure it out? Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's not really helping anyone out, is it? Yeah. No. So the yeah. first point of call is to really understand that, well, what, well, what do I feel about it? How did you feel about the cereal bowl? What was the instant feeling that you had? Yeah. Oh, uh, frustration, annoyance, and no, there's something else there. It's like a, uh, a disappointment. I don't even know what, what word. I think there's another word there, but I can't think exactly what it is. It's kind of like, um, I don't even know what the word is. Yeah, just, just kind of like, okay, they're really, good really? Like, again, are we still here sort of thing? Yeah. yeah yeah so there's yeah it's a nice mix it's a really lovely mix we love this mix disappointment annoyance and frustration yeah how yummy mm -hmm. but when you feel that take it away from the cereal bowl and okay so well what's underneath that so these are questions to ask ourselves when this comes up like what what am i feeling and then what's underneath that feeling what is it that i'm really wanting to have happen here what's and, and breaking it down, like, what do I need? What am I really wanting? What's the core of this issue? Mm. And asking ourselves these questions. Mm. Underneath that, you know, let's talk it through with you. So underneath the cereal bowl, you know, I know you've been through the process, so it's a bit <laughs> easier. You're pre-prepared. I'm yeah. so prepared. Here's <laughs> my prepared earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so what was underneath that? Like, what was, tell, tell us through that process of the cereal bowl. So why is that? Yeah. The next, the next um, thought process, I suppose, is I'll look around and try and find all the other stuff that also I have to do. Like, oh, and the chopping board's out with breadcrumbs and the bed's not made and the toothpaste has been left on the vanity instead of in this little cup or like stupid things like that. So I'll, be, I'll look around and kind of catastrophize it almost and be like, I'll look at all of this evidence that says my time's not worth as much as your time and get the shits about that. And then, yeah, and then I'd probably, I, I guess that's the whole kind of thing. So then it would be like, well, I have to do it because if, if he's not going to do it, then I've got to do it. 
So I'll just go and do it. And then I get the shits because I'm doing it, even though I don't want to be doing it and I shouldn't be doing it. But I like to live in a clean house that doesn't have cereal bowls full of ants <laughs> the sink. So I'll do it anyway. To highlight this, just to highlight this process, and this is a process that we all go through. We're going through the thought process, the judgment, the story we've created, mm. and the feeling, and we're bouncing back and forth. Oh, you know, this story of like, you know, my time's not valued, da-da-da-da-da. I'm feeling really annoyed and I'm disappointed. And, oh, look, it's over there too. And we're stuck in this cycle. And so, but you got there. You got this. I'm having, I have to do this or it won't get done. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the crux of the thing. What does that mean? I'm going to come back to that as well. Um, So if you have to do it, what does that what does that mean to you? It means I don't get to do other things that I like to do or that I need to do. Yep. Takes time away yep. from other things. Yeah. And what does that mean? And um so down below that, like what's that mean in terms of your relationship dynamic? What is it you're needing that you're not getting? Time, space and freedom. I freedom to do my my things, I suppose. Mm. space and freedom yep Mm. and in terms of your relationship dynamic what was it you're needing from them in terms of the dynamic um help i suppose more doing more equality in the doing of that sort of thing i guess yeah so then it's coming down to you needing space freedom and support Mm-hmm. But then the conversation is no longer about the cereal bowl. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. well it, it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's a symptom rather than the problem. Yeah. Yeah, the core yeah. of it is that. And the next question before, like, so we're still in standing in our own shoes. We haven't actually spoken to anybody yet. The next question is, what can you do for yourself to meet those needs first? Mm. Well, yeah, um, interestingly, I think around the same time I was talking to my best friend and she was like, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I clean the cereal bowl. I put it in the dishwasher. And she was like, well, if you keep doing that, it doesn't matter what you sort of say, you're not showing. So she's all like, she talks that she's a psychologist and social worker as well. And she talks about like always show, don't tell, show, don't tell with kids, with relationships, with whatever, show, don't tell. So um, I guess one thing that I did start doing was, well, did start, stop doing, stop, anyway, something I stopped doing was actually fixing it. So the rest of the house would be nice and tidy, but the cereal bowl would still be sitting there at five o'clock in the afternoon. And it took three days, (laughs) three days. It was like, oh, I better start actually doing it. Otherwise it's going to sit there until five o'clock and get full of ants. And that annoys me too. So does that answer your question? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in terms of what I can do to support myself in that is to actually go, actually, I'm not going to do it so then, and make a decision to not well, do the action that I was doing. It kind of does, but you're still in the space between head and thought. You're still with the cereal bowl. Now I'd like you to think about, well, what can you do to give yourself support, give yourself space and yourself freedom? Mm. Oh, so many things. It all comes down to self-care and how I kind of plan my and organise my day and my things I guess fill up fill up my own cup yeah so if your own cup was feeling full what would then we go back to the cereal bowl Mm -hmm. then what happens 
it doesn't matter so much, I guess. Okay, so from that space, when you talk to Glenn, you know, it can be, okay, so I'm actually needing a bit more support here. This is my process. Mm. And then the other part that we did was that, you know, we don't demand that he puts the cereal bowl into the dishwasher. Right. We yeah. ask if he would be willing to or, <laughs> um, you know, asking because the, yeah. the point that I really wanted to come back to which is part of where this all got like mixed up and a lot of where the frustration came into mm. when we're doing things because we feel like we have to we're not giving them freely mm -hmm. and when somebody does something for me that they feel like they have to do it's like doesn't mean anything yeah 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 like sure i got what i want but the energy that came with that was like you don't yeah. really really like that mm. like you know so true it's like an apology so, when you've asked for an apology and you know that you're only getting an apology because you've said i want an apology say sorry claire say <laughs> sorry right now <laughs> <laughs> very effective very meaningful so genuine when you actually say thank you <laughs> So, so yeah, that, that trying to pull the have-tos out of it. So if you demand something, you're putting them in a corner where they either have to follow your orders or they have to disobey them. Like they don't, you, you, and you've got nowhere to go. Whereas if it's a request, you also have room to negotiate. Mm. So, nah, sorry, I hear all that, but I'm still not going to do anything about the cereal bowl. Mm -hmm. You know, so then you're in a place of going, well, how can we make this work? I have two girls that are close together who want to fight all the time and how are we going to make this work? Mm. There's this beautiful negotiating line that's like yeah. always in my pocket. Yeah, I really like <laughs> it. And the, I wonder, I wonder how, da, 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 da. that's quite cool with kids. Slash everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think to pull from that, uh, from where you went through before it's the first connecting in with yourself and really trying to understand and not and really trying to build, build that own understanding so that you can negotiate from a place where you understand yourself that mm. you've given yourself totally yeah yeah and you also ask well how can I address my needs on my own because mm that helps to it's empowering mm. like if we're walking around feeling like somebody else has to meet all of our needs mm. that's not an empowered way to live mm. being able to walk around going look i can meet a whole lot of my needs and in partnership with you i want to negotiate meeting my needs yeah and helping you to meet yours yeah and i'm going to look after myself a bit too mm. so there's that there's total that. change in dynamic and it comes back to that personal responsibility doesn't it as well yeah 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 and the boundaries like the ability to stand up and say hey look actually i'm drawing a line here this is not okay yeah. and the boundaries are so much more powerful if they're coming from that inner understanding of what our own needs yeah and then the last part of it is to um not jump into the to the have to's either personally like not give without feeling like you want to give mm -hmm. um and mm. you can also reframe that like you can reframe the cereal bowl of like instead of i'm having to do that because he won't it can be i'm giving this to myself because it matters to me mm. you know yeah, yeah. like anytime there's a have to 
if you really still feel like you have to do it, is there a way to reframe it so that mm. it's actually giving? Mm. It's figuring out where you want to put the boundary. So where you put the boundary and where you wanna where you wanna be flexible. Yeah. And seriously, that's relationship. Where am I gonna hold the line and yeah. where am I gonna Yeah, that's it. And I, I love um I love what you just said about, you know, whether you do it for yourself or for someone else and that sort of thing. And I think this has been a big um part of my kind of um realization slash listening to my message about the recovering perfectionist sort of thing that, um, you know, I talk about recovering perfectionists and since I've started, you know, doing the podcast and using that phrase everywhere, it's really given me, you know, that last little push of permission to not do everything perfectly. But someone would probably still walk into my house most of the time and go, you're still a perfectionist because the house is always nice and neat and tidy and it's nicely decorated and all that sort of thing. And I've kind of had a bit like, oh, maybe I should leave my house a bit messy so that people don't think I'm still a perfectionist. But there will always be a part of me that's a perfectionist and I give that little inner perfectionist jobs to do and one of them is the house. But it's not, it's no longer for everybody else. It's usually, it's almost always been for me but I have had little bits of, I've got to clean the house before someone gets here. But now it's fully because that's how I like to live. I like to, even if it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm half asleep wandering down the hallway to a screaming child, I can look around and go, ah, oh, the house is nice and tight. Like it means something to me. It, it feels good to me and it's, I'm okay with that and I don't feel like I have to apologise for that anymore because that's how I like to live. Like that's my thing. So exactly when it comes back to things like the cereal bowl, bloody cereal bowl, getting so much airtime <laughs> today, that cereal bowl, um, is, is, you know, kind of a, a thing that, you know, nowadays, and I mean this is going back a year ago that there was an issue with the bloody cereal bowl, um, but it's kind of, it's, I'm kind of okay with that sort of thing because it's really important to me, not because of, anything external but it is really important to me to also feel like my physical environment is comfortable and, and tidy and all of that sort of thing so yeah there's totally a different a sort of a change in dynamic there where it's not just a representation of someone else like yeah I mean God, bloody cereal bowl I can't believe how much we talk about cereal bowl <laughs> so just, yeah it's a really cool little um Totem, I suppose. <laughs> I might get a, I might see if I can get a charm bracelet with a bloody cereal bowl on it. Um, <laughs> no, but it, is, it is really... Well, and there's also so. something in that that I just think is just beautiful. Like you used to keep your house beautifully clean and not fierce, well, partly for yourself, but also for what other people will think. And now the fact that you're considering not having it so clean for what people will think, I just think that that's, you know... <laughs> Sign of a recovering perfectionist. Yes, it's yes. recovering, <laughs> not recovered. I'll never be recovered. Yes. <laughs> this is a process, whether it's about perfectionism, whether it's about self responsibility, whether it's about um, being able to understand ourselves. Mm. All of it is a process, and that's the you know the beautiful thing about it. There isn't an end goal, like right. That's it. It's, yeah. this, it's this beautiful process of learning how we can live. So we're not giving our power away. We're not giving our power away to blaming. We're not giving our power away to perfectionism. We're not giving our power away to um, not to the cereal bowl. We're not going to do it. But it's that. It's that process of going. Yeah. I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. Yeah. 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 I love it. Thank you, Trish. I could literally sit here and talk about this all day, but we better wrap up, I think. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. I've absolutely, 
I absolutely adore you. I love your style. I love your teaching. I love your everything, pretty much everything you put out into the world. I'm like, yay, I love Trish. I love Trish. I love Trish. I'm so glad that you came on the show. Thank you so much. Um, and obviously we'll put all of your, um, all of your links and details in the show notes, but if, um, anyone listening wants to get in touch, what's the best way for them to track you down? Um, so you can check out my webpage, which is very easily trishebrett.com.au, um, or my Facebook page, which is Trish Everett, um, and my Facebook group, which is Radically Me for Women in Business. It is going through a little overhaul, so yeah, check it all out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, so much, so much for the sweet talk and for staying in touch with us and for coming on the show. It's been absolutely awesome having you, and I'll speak to you again soon. Beautiful. Thank you. And I just, yeah, I really love the whole recovering perfectionist journey that you're taking us on. So we're honoured to have been part of your gorgeous series. Yeah, gorgeous. Thank you, Trish. (laughs) Bye. Bye.